Good morning. Welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church and Happy New Year. Uh, it's great to, to see you all out this morning. Um, the sun is shining and it is, uh, it's, it's another year and it's that time of year when, when many of us, we think about um, trying to do better, don't we? We, some of us at least, look to, to New Year's resolutions and, and look to the good things that we're going to do this coming year and try and forget the things that we, we didn't maybe do quite so well last year. Um, well, as, as a church uh, and as Christians, we, we look forward not because of the good things that we are going to be able to do this year, but because of the good that God has done for us and the good that God is. Um, I'm going to read just some verses from, from Titus chapter 3, verses one to eight, which, which puts our good works into context, um, in the context of, of what God has done for us. Um, and it's because of what God has done for us that we, we come together this morning to, to worship him, to, to pray to him, to sing songs, and to, to learn more about what he has done from, for us from his word. So let's just read uh, these few verses in Titus chapter three, verses one to eight. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Amen. These verses just show us wonderfully what it is we are as Christians. We are not good by our own works. But God, through his, his kindness and his mercy, saved us through his own righteousness. I'm going to ask Avril if she could come and give our reading for this morning. It's from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Good morning. So the reading this morning is taken from Micah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. The Lord's case against Israel. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. 
I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Boar, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Amen. Let's pray before Duncan comes to to open that word to us. Father God, we thank you that you have spoken to us through your word, the Bible. Father, help us this morning to, to listen to your voice. Help us to hear you speaking to us. And would you help Duncan as he speaks that he would speak your words. Amen. Uh, good morning. It is lovely to, to see you. And let me also wish you a very happy new year. Turn with me again to Micah chapter 6, if you have your Bible there with you. And sometimes reading the prophets in the Old Testament, well, one of the hard things with a book like Micah can be finding it. Um, but then some of the more hard, hard things is to understand it. And I think one of the ways that's helpful to understand these books of the Bible is uh, seeing things that are around us all the time. Uh, we live in a day where we're surrounded by alarm systems. In this room, in this building, uh, there are alarms that are primed, ready to warn us of danger. When the fire alarm goes off here, or if the fire alarm goes off at school or at work, then you know what you have to do, right? You get out in an orderly fashion. There's been times when people have ignored alarms, some famous moments in history where people ignored alarms. They heard the noise, they knew what it meant, but they thought that they knew better. And some people have been very badly hurt because they ignored alarms. Well, in Bible times, they didn't have the same alarm systems we do. We're reading about Israel in the time of Micah, which is about 2,800 years ago, a long time ago. And though they didn't have fire alarms, they didn't have burglar alarms like we do, God had given them an alarm system. It was his prophets. In the Old Testament, we find these sometimes strange individuals called prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jonah, Micah, who appear in God's nation with messages from God. The prophets are the alarm system. They turn up when God's people are headed towards danger. God sent these men to raise the alarm, to get God's people to turn around, to turn back to Him because they were heading for ruin. And so if you were to read the book of Micah, 
you would find the sort of things that God's people were doing that made him engage the alarm system. They were worshiping idols. Those who had power were greedy, were stealing from people. They hated what was good. They loved what was evil. They ruined people's lives for no other reason than just to make themselves wealthy. And the judges, the princes, even some of the so-called prophets, they would do and say anything so long as you paid them enough money. It was a wicked and an unjust nation. And so God sent the alarm system. Micah comes to sound the alarm. Because you see, how a nation behaves reveals a lot about what it worships. This was supposed to be God's nation. But this isn't what God is like. God is good and just and true and fair. And so he cannot let his people misrepresent him in this way. And so Micah is sent to raise the alarm. Watch out, he says. You're heading for destruction. Stop being unfaithful to God and turn back to him. And what happens in this part of Micah, Micah 6, which Avril just read for us, God calls his people and says, come to the court. Come and explain yourselves. And that's what happens in the first two verses. Arise, plead your case. For the Lord has an indictment or a charge or an accusation against his people. And in this passage, there's two questions in the court. The first one comes from God, and the second one seems to come back to God from his people. So first of all, look at what God asks. Verse 3, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. That's the question God wants answered. Suppose God is asking his people, why, why do you treat me like this? Why do you treat your God like this? What has God done that makes it okay for you to turn away from him? What has he done that would make his people so tired of serving him that they find worshiping him so boring? Can you relate to that? I mean, weariness has been one of the most commonly used words throughout 2021. How are you feeling? It's not long before that word weary in some form comes back. And that's entirely understandable, isn't it? When people have had to stay at home for 10 days at a time, when schools have been closed, when pressure at work seemed and maybe even still seems like it's relentless. But what about what's happening here, being wearied by God? You know, the things that we maybe know are good for us become the things that we're weary of. Maybe even coming to church on Sunday, being part of a small group, reading the Bible, reading the Bible with others, praying. There are many folks folks in this church even, who've become weary of these things. And I suppose God says to us today, as he said to his people all those years ago, what have I done to weary you? Well, God helps out these unfaithful Israelites here 
by giving them some suggestions as to what it might be that has caused them to become so bored of him. And he gives them a little rundown of his history. He says in verses 4 and 5, maybe it's because I did these things that you're weary and fed up with me. So look at some of the things he mentions, verses 4 and 5. He says, do you remember uh, all those years ago when you were stuck as slaves in Egypt, powerless, brutally treated? Remember how I freed you from slavery? Is that, is that why you're fed up of me? Or, or remember after I led you out of Egypt and you went into the wilderness and I, I didn't leave you to wander aimlessly in the wilderness. I gave you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. I gave you people to lead you in that time. Maybe that's why you're so bored of me. Or have you heard of the time when, when, when Balak, the king of Moab, tried to destroy you by hiring a prophet called Balaam? and how I intervened to destroy his plans against you. In fact, you know how I acted on your behalf again and again and again to save you until you were settled in the promised land? Maybe it's because I did all of those things for you that you're so fed up with me. You see what God's doing here. He says, if you are weary with me, it's because you have forgotten your history. If you look to the future and somehow you think, this year I'll be better off without God, all he does is add to my woes and drags me down, then you've forgotten your history. And this is always the starting point for God's people rising out of weariness, to shake off that apathy that we might feel towards God's. God says here, start off by remembering your history. And for every one of God's people, we must never forget our history. If you are a Christian here today, God lovingly says to you, just think for a moment, what reason do you have to be weary with me? Is it because I saw you when you were lost in your sin, enslaved in your sin, and instead of judging you, I sent my son my perfect son, the one whom I have loved perfectly forever, that I sent him to become a human being, to live in this sinful, painful world, to be rejected by his creatures, nailed on a cross to take away your sin. Yeah, yours. Is that why you're weary with me? Because I've done all this for you? Is it because I brought you into the family of God? I've given you the same inheritance as my perfect son? Is it because I've given you brothers and sisters alongside you? Is it because I've given you this hope of eternal life? Is that why you're so bored with me? Well, the truth is we get weary with God because we forget these things. God says, remember He says, maybe that's why you can't be bothered with me. You need to remember all that I've done for you. So we th saw that first question that, that, that God asks. He said, what have I done to weary you? Really saying, you need to remember your history. But then another question gets asked, and not by God this time, but by the people. 
And in fact, verses 6 and 7, if you have that in front of you, you'll see that there are, there are four questions all around this one theme. Verse 6, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? In other words, they say, well, what does God want from me? What does He want from me? What does God want me to do for Him? What does He want me to bring Him? I wonder what you think the answer to that question is. What does God want from you? Listen to some of the thoughts that came to the minds of the people in Micah's day. What if we bring offerings? What if we bring animal sacrifices? What if we even do it with calves that we've looked after and raised for a whole year? Maybe God would be happy with that. Or what about the sort of offerings that the great kings brought to God? You know, thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil. Is it about making an, an offering that's big enough, lavish enough? Will God be happy with that? Or does he want an offering that really costs in other ways? What if I bring my firstborn child and offer that as an offering for my sin? Would that be something that pleased God? Something that made me feel so bad but would be so pleasing to him? I don't think that way of thinking is changed at all. What if I go to church once a week, three times a month? What if I give 10% of my income to gospel work? What if I give three nights a week to serving in the church? What if I go overseas to be a missionary? Will God be happy with that? I'm here to tell you, and Mike is here to tell you, all of that is wrong thinking. Even though those things are good things, and many of those things may well be the things you're called to do, they are not what God wants from you. God did not create human beings because He wanted or needed something from us. God has everything He needs in Himself. He is self-sufficient in every way. And so in Micah's day, the Israelites started thinking that, you know what, the sacrifices make God happy. It really helps God to have a good day if we make sacrifices. When the truth is, on their own, they did nothing for God. He wanted something else, and that's the same here today. If today you've made your New Year's resolutions to, to maybe pray more, to read more, to attend more, to do more, stop for a moment. Just stop. Make sure that you have understood what God wants from you first. And that's where we come to verse 8, probably uh, the second most famous verse in Micah. And I know we're tempted to read this as simply a list of things to do. Verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. But this is not just a list of things to do. Life in Israel in Micah's time, as we said at the start, was marked by injustice, 
God is the God of perfect justice, and so He wants His people to be like Him. So He says, you're going to act justly. You're going to do justice. But look at what goes with that. To do justice and to love kindness. And it depends on your translation. You might have love mercy, love goodness. And the reason there's so many translations is it's a word that's got so many dimensions. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's the God, it's God's promise-making, promise-keeping love. How do you get all that into one word? I don't know. God says He wants His people to love that. So it's not just doing acts of mercy or goodness or kindness or love, not some outward busyness, but an inward delight in doing those things. He wants something in their hearts to change. Where does that delight come from? Well, look at the last line of the verse. What He requires of you is to walk humbly with your God. This is what God wants from His people. This is what He wants from you. Not the things you can do, not the things you can give. He wants you. He wants you. Not a bit of you. Not some religious service you can offer Him every so often. Not 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 a weekly appearance before Him in worship. He wants you. He wants to walk with you. The walk is the, is the walk of life. It is, he, he wants you to live your life consciously in His presence every moment of every day, every part of life. God be the center. God be the one honored in everything, not just some religious part, but all of it. God wants all of you. And as you do that, then God changes you. Priorities change. Justice and mercy and goodness and kindness become beautiful things to pursue because they are the qualities that God has pursued us with. God does not want stuff from you. I can't say that enough. He doesn't want stuff from you. What could you ever give him? No, he wants you. And he's given his son to lift you and me out of sin, to cleanse us from sin, to bring us into his family, to give you a new heart, a heart that loves God more than anything else. And that is yours as you come to Jesus by faith. So before you commit to those New Year's resolutions, get clear on this first. Do you know Jesus Christ? Can you say that his death on the cross really was for you? That his being raised from the dead gives a hope that is yours? Have you turned from following from following your own desires to following Him? Are you trusting Jesus Christ alone to be right with God? Because if we are to love this kindness, this goodness, this mercy that God calls His people to love, we only can love that if we have first experienced it 
from God. We deserve only God's judgment, but God gives us something we don't deserve. He gives us Jesus. He forgives my sin. He gives me life. He lives in me by His Spirit. And this is the amazing thing. He says, I want you, and to do that, I'm going to give you me. This is the most wonderful message in the world. And it's when we grasp what this gospel is, what God has done for us in Jesus, that worship is transformed. We are not weary to come to church. We come because, well, because we want to hear the gospel again, and we want to worship God again for all that He's done for us. Serving God does not become weary because we want to respond to God in serving Him and serving His people. Serving others loses its weariness because we see that, hey, these are my brothers and sisters who also have been loved by God in this way. It lifts us from weariness to true worship. What does God want from me? He wants you. He's given His Son that He might have you. And He calls you today to come again in faith, trusting that Jesus is enough and committing day by day to follow Him, to walk humbly with your God.